Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Now, last night, I must have been the only person in America who was not watching Monday Night Football. And I have watched some of the clips of what happened to DeMar Hamlin. And I have to say, that was really upsetting. Very, very upsetting. And we don't know at this moment whether he's going to survive or not. He had cardiac arrest. He had a heart attack. Some of us know what that's like. But he had a heart attack and he stopped breathing. In other words, he was dead for a short period of time. And those medical folks who ran on the field and so forth, God bless them. Because they had to bring him back to life. And then the ambulance came on a few minutes later, and obviously you know the rest of the story, those of you who pay attention to these things. Absolutely horrendous. Now, You're going to have a lot of people who tell you that they know what should be done and how to protect. It's simply not possible. In what I saw, he's a defensive player. He, uh, I think it was a running back who he stopped and helped tackle, right, Mr. Producer? But he was hit straight in the chest. Looks like he was hit in the heart area. And he gets up and then he falls back, just straight back, because he had effectively a heart attack. And um, it really is uh, wrenching. To see these guys get injured at all is wrenching. You know, I remember the days where people broke in their necks and their paraplegics and this, that, and the other. They ripped their knees so badly. Or they break their leg. I remember Joe Theismann. Happens to be a friend of mine. Don't tell anybody. And the way his leg broke. I mean, and, and, and you saw uh, there are others. Smith, more recently with the uh, Washington team. Alex Smith. And other injuries. I can't remember them all and I don't want to remember them all. But you get the point. He's still in critical condition. They have him sleeping, apparently. Uh, I don't know what all that means, other than it can't be great. And I, I assume they're not going to quote-unquote make up this, this game. I don't know how you do that. But in any event, it grabbed the whole nation's attention. <clears throat> and uh, we are a loving and caring people. We don't know. I don't know Damar Hamlin from anybody else. But it doesn't matter. He's one of us. 
and that is a, a stomach turning event and I would have been remiss if I hadn't said anything and out of the positive I told you Ron DeSantis was sworn in as governor again and in Florida with a with a truly remarkable huge victory re-election and it's not getting the attention it, des- it deserves nationally and uh, I was invited to go my wife and I some family members did in fact go uh, but I needed to be here it's time to get back and get to work although I don't really consider this work and to comment on it nationally so during his inauguration today I'll just play a couple of short clips uh, he said this cut 13 go over the past few years as so many states in our country grinded their citizens down we in Florida lifted our people up when other states consigned their people's freedom to the dustbin Florida stood strongly as freedom's linchpin. When the world lost its mind, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue, Florida was a refuge of sanity, a citadel of freedom for our fellow Americans and even for people around the world. In captaining the ship of state, we choose to navigate the boisterous sea of liberty rather than cower in the calm docks of despotism. Cut 14, go. We must ensure school systems are responsive to parents and to students, not partisan interest groups. And we must ensure that our institutions of higher learning are focused on academic excellence and the pursuit of truth not the imposition of trendy ideologies. Florida must always be a great place to raise a family. We will enact more family-friendly policies to make it easier to raise children, and we will defend our children against those who seek to rob them of their innocence. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's already coming under attack by the Miami Herald and others who say that he's just playing a culture game and they've spent $17 million in laws because this is, this is the left. This, this are the media. They are filled with hate. They don't give our guys a shot. Nothing of the sort. And so uh, here we have more of the same that really DeSantis is talking about. Zeke Emanuel. Remember Zeke? Yeah, he's a real... Uh, anyway, on MSNBC yesterday about China and the travel ban. Yeah, China's about to spread this pandemic a second time. I know what communist China's doing. Everybody does. Cut 17, go. What measures do you think we should be taking against China? And that is a fool that should have been retired a long time ago, Andrea Mitchell. Absolute clown. Start from the top, please. Go. What measures do you think we should be taking against China? A travel ban, a negative test result? What, what is, the, is an effective way? 
Uh, a travel ban uh, isn't going to and the negative test results are just going to they're delaying tactics. They're trying to get us information. They're not going to help individually for your viewers, Andrea. The best thing they can do at the moment, and I know a lot of them are resistant, is masks N 95 really high quality. How many masks. more times do we need scientists, real scientists, real experts? Surveys, even now out of the government, that say masks don't do anything. How many more times, ladies and gentlemen? And so this guy, no, we don't want a travel ban. That's okay. And what else? So we here's here's the deal: we have people coming into this country who have all kinds of diseases that we defeated a long time ago. We don't we don't know where they're from. We don't know what the hell's going on. And they're reappearing, these diseases. And this is a Biden policy, and this is what I mean. While they're putzing around, this stuff's going on. Go ahead. You can't control what's out there in the airports or what's on a train um, or what's going to be in a shopping mall. But you can protect yourself with these very high-quality masks, and that's what uh, I recommend. This thing, this new variant XBB 1.5 is very infectious and people should do what they can do regarding China. Well, I'm a people and I've done what I can do. I got COVID again two months ago. My wife just got finished with COVID again or her first time. So I've had it twice. She's had it once. I had my shots. No more shots. You know, we wore masks for a period of time. I don't wear masks anymore. I'm following the science, you know. Go ahead. For a moment for collaboration, we've got to get Chi to immunize the population, to slow now things down. Now listen to this idiot. We've got to get Xi to immunize the population. How do we get Xi to do anything? Like not murder Uyghurs and Christians and Tibetans? And the people of Hong Kong, as he's focused on Taiwan, and as you'll see in a moment, World War III. Just how stupid is this guy, and how stupid is Andrea Mitchell for having him on? Zeke. Go ahead. Monitor carefully and share the data on the genomics with the world, instead of constantly denying, you know, everything. Oh, that's all we do is deny. We never share our data. We destroyed our economy. We destroyed the minds of our children for at least a year or two. They've uh, regressed socially and educationally, putting people out of work, destroyed our economy. Those blue states did a fine job. God knows how many people died of cancer and heart disease and a and hundred other illnesses because they had to go to the back of the line. He acts like we didn't do anything. We took all the totalitarian steps that were imposed on us, particularly those in blue states. That's why DeSantis is such a gem. Because he followed the real science without any ideology. And he had his own scientists and his own experts looking at the material and the data. But he talks about Xi in China, right? Xi and China. Well, you know, I know I sound like a broken record with China, and that's just too damn bad. 
But China is an enormous threat to this country, and China, at some point, is going to go to war. It's just a matter of time. I don't have the cut in front of me, Mr. Producer. You have it, but we have, here it is, 16. General H.R. McMaster on Deface the Nation. Cut 16, go. I know you spend a lot of time on thinking about China. How do you see it? It's a grave threat. I think Xi Jinping means what he says, right? I think we have to be careful not to mirror image, not to fall into the same traps we did with Vladimir Putin of confirmation bias and optimism bias. Xi Jinping has made quite clear in his statements that he's going to make, from his perspective, China whole again by subsuming Taiwan. And the preparations are underway. So I think what is important is what, what Michelle said, deterrence. But good old-fashioned deterrence by denial. I mean, hard power matters. And I think we are underinvested in defense in the United States. China has become increasingly aggressive, not only from an economic and financial perspective and a wolf warrior diplomacy perspective, but physically uh, with, with, with its military. And what's really disturbing is I think Xi Jinping is preparing the Chinese people for war. Preparing the Chinese people for war while Rome, that is Washington, D.C., figuratively is burning. And that's what these pseudo-conservatives, self-anointed, self-appointed, don't get. We have real enemies, foreign and domestic. Real enemies, foreign and domestic. I also think people aren't reading the rules that McCarthy has proposed. That does include a, a centralized, vigorous investigation of the FBI and the other agencies, as well as a review of all the materials that were the January 6th committee, which he has said they will put out a statement as soon as they can become the majority and actually have official powers, that those materials are not to be destroyed. And what's worrying me now is maybe they have been or are being destroyed as a result of some of this nonsense. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. My friends, 2022 is history. 
But have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How will you make it better than last year? That's why I have a challenge for you. Resolve to become a better educated American. Look, every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. The good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. My challenge to you, take just one of these fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. So visit levinforhillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge. Pick whichever course you like and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Go to levin for Hillsdale.com, and start your free course today. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Let me tell you a little bit about what goes on around here. And Rush Limbaugh and I used to talk about this. I don't think there's anybody on the air on a national radio program who was closer to Rush and spoke more to Rush than I. Period. That's how close we were. And we would talk all the time in the past until obviously he got ill. One of the things that bothered him a lot, and he would touch on it now and then with you, but he would touch on it with me a lot, are these groups inside the Beltway. Some of them claim to be conservative groups, libertarian groups, both groups, limited government groups. And he said they are endlessly fundraising. And endlessly lobbying him and annoying him to take certain positions. And he was a very polite man, was Rush. He'd put up with it, but he didn't like it. He would accept awards from a number of these groups, even though he was not a great fan of how they would process things. And I know what he means now, because I get this all the time. And these groups send out letters or petitions, and then they claim to represent you. And if I were to go through the name of some of these groups, you never would have heard of them. Because they don't represent you. So the sanctimony is really unbelievable. And if I asked you the name of some of these people or told you the name of some of these people, you wouldn't know who they are either. Now, there's a lot to get to today. We got Mitch McConnell down there in Kentucky celebrating the fact that he sold out the American people and you. We've got this battle going on in the House where a number of my friends who are in this 20 are getting up and sanctimoniously telling us what we already know, what already has to happen, and don't have the foggiest idea how to get us to where they claim they want to take us. 
But the swamp in Washington, D.C. is not just the left. We have a place in Virginia. When we first purchased this place, it's about 40 miles outside of Washington, D.C. There was literally nothing around us 20 years ago. Nothing. Now the Washington subway comes out here. We've got where there were two-lane roads. We have six-lane roads, overpasses, huge malls, massive, massive Internet buildings, these massive windowless buildings. The Chinese want to take us out. They know exactly where to hit us in Loudoun County. I was pointing it out to my wife when the, at night the other night as we were driving down a particular route. I said, look at this. Every side of the road. Every side of the road. What is that? That's Washington. That's the growth of government. And all of its appendages and all the rest. It's the swamp. The swamp isn't just Washington. It's beyond Washington. It's people who feed off Washington. Some of them feed off Washington by saying the same damn thing day in and day out and patting themselves on the head that they're going to save America. You get these requests. They're not going to save a damn thing. You're going to save America. And so in many ways... They claim to be one thing, and they're quite frankly not. They've spent their entire lives and careers living off of Washington in one bizarre form or another. So I don't pay attention to them. Most of them claim to have clout they simply don't have. It's a fact. And unfortunately, I have to pull the veneer back. It's the nature of the beast. Also, I don't just fall into line. Because 20 people on Capitol Hill have taken a position that is utterly inarticulate as far as I'm concerned. 20 people. Look at Matt Gates. Matt Gates strikes me as the ringleader of this. Why isn't Matt Gates being offered up as a uh, potential speaker? Would he get 20 votes? Probably. Can he get 21? No way. Matt Gates tonight is attacking Donald Trump. Matt Gates isn't Mr. Wise Man. Matt Gates has a lot of dirt. So why is he doing that? I'm a big fan of Lauren Boebert, by the way. Still am. Why is she taking shots at Trump? Right before her election, we had her on the program several times. We've met her. We like her. She said that she was going to support McCarthy. And he must have poured God knows what. Almost $2 million into her campaign, and she won by a couple hundred votes. Well, what was it? 
that caused her to accept that money but to reject him? That's a fair question. And why is Mark Levin, who has spent his entire life finding rhinos in Republican establishment, whether it was for Reagan in his hometown, whether it was when he ran and actually won for the school board when he was in law school, backing Kevin McCarthy. I'm not backing Kevin McCarthy. I've said this a thousand times, but people don't want to listen. They want to believe. They want to hate. They want to target. They, whatever it is. It's just easier to put the uh, suit on and be whatever you are. For me, this isn't even a battle between conservative and rhino. Is there somebody of that 201 in the last vote? Jim Jordan. Jim Banks. Tom Massey. Palmer of Alabama, Moore of Alabama. I can go down a list of scores of serious, solid conservatives. Are they opposed to securing the border? Are they opposed to the conservative agenda? No. In fact, they've been fighting for the conservative agenda, frankly, longer in Congress than many of my friends who are of the 20. And you've got 25 members, more than half of the Freedom Caucus, who are not voting with the other 20. Why is that? Are they sellouts? Is it because they love McCarthy? No. It's because we see the enemy. The enemy is Biden. The enemy is Schumer. The enemy is what the Democrats have been doing to this country. We see the Marxists. We see what they're doing to the courts, to the Justice Department, to the FBI. We see what they're doing to our former president. We got two years, less now, to take matters into our own hands, but we can't trust MacArthur, they said. Then you'll remove them. Then you'll remove them. Now, who is it exactly? Who is it exactly of those conservatives I just mentioned? Who's stupid? Who's a sellout? Who's a rhino? Who's a McCarthy? Who are they? There's none of them. So there's this false narrative that's created, like the left. And if you've been around Washington a long time, in one of these groups, you create, in many cases, false narratives. And they don't want you to think for yourself, and they don't want you to get beyond the first point. You can see it in some of the comments. On social media. But if you're like me, you're sick and tired of all these blowhards. That's enough. We put you there. As small as the majority is, it's a majority. We put you there to help save the republic.
Not to kick each other's ass. McConnell's running away with the Republican Party. He's running away with the agenda. They've already put the omnibus bill in. McCarthy didn't support the omnibus bill, but he had no power. He was in the Republican minority in the House. And McConnell moved as fast as he could to get around the Republican majority. Now we don't even have a majority. They're not doing anything. I can get in here and give you the best speech of anybody. I can give a better speech than the ones you heard today from the 20. I'll bet I can do a better speech than my brother Roy, Chip Roy, or Byron Donalds, or Lauren Boebert. But the fact of the matter is, we have the ability now to control committees. What kind of a wimp would appoint Jim Jordan to head the Judiciary Committee? Or Comer to head the Oversight Committee? I looked at some of these names on the list. You got some people been there for two years. Some who are preparing to run for the Senate. Some who are demanding committee assignments. These are not all principal conservatives. Hell, they all voted for Kevin McCarthy to be majority leader, excuse me, minority leader, two years ago. Those who were there, those who were there voted for McCarthy to be their leader two years ago. I have no problem with duking it out over these rules. And if you get 80 or 90% of what you want, great. But there's another 201 or 202 of them in there who are not liking what's going on. What are you going to do about it? Then they say they're there. Representative Republic. Well, 20 doesn't represent the Republic. Does it? I don't think so. I don't understand what my friend, and he is my friend, and we we were the first to bring him on national stage on Fox, Byron Donalds, and he is my friend. He's a very earnest man. And he got to where he is the hard way. I don't understand how you vote for McCarthy twice. Then you're the stalking horse for the other 19 in vote after vote after vote. What did the first two votes mean? I mean, it's, it's almost, it's perplexing. It's nonsensical. I don't understand how you're Matt Gates, where you're walking around behind the scenes, you're on TV, you're working groups, you're working it, you're in front of the camera. He's not even a member of the Freedom Caucus. And his name is never proposed for speaker. Why? Why is that? Does that make sense to anybody? Mark Levin. My friends, 2022 is history. 
But have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How will you make it better than last year? That's why I have a challenge for you. Resolve to become a better educated American. Look, every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. The good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. My challenge to you, take just one of these fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. So visit levinforhillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge. Pick whichever course you like and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N and start your free course today. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I think accuracy is an, an old value that I was taught that's important. Now, I've looked at Rosendale's donations. And I don't hold any of them against him. But he has donations from a number of political action committees. Political action committees are not exclusively, but often set up by businesses. Because they can contribute more that way. The employees donate to the political action committee. There's a higher threshold. And in turn, the business gives the money to a candidate. And they have to raise money. Montana's a big state. So the gentleman says he backs what Rosendale's doing because he's opposed to a lobbyist who's McCarthy. McCarthy was not a lobbyist, but he gets money from lobbyists. I don't know what McCarthy gets from lobbyists, but I, you can look it up online like I have Rosendale's here. Now, according to published and public reports, political action committees, agribusiness gave Rosendale in the last election cycle 24000 Communications and electronics, 6,000. These are PACs. Construction, 23,500. Energy and natural resources, 29,500. Finance, insurance, and real estate, 15,000. Nothing massive here. So, and there's others. But I don't think the man's tainted. I think he believes what he believes. I happen to like the guy, by the way. But I think as one of the five, he was very boneheaded about what he pulled here. That's just me. And again, the choice isn't between, oh, I love McCarthy and I hate McCarthy. And the choice isn't between I'm a conservative and I'm not a conservative. The issue here are priorities priorities and strategy and these 20 have no strategy they're trying now I think as a way out of this perhaps to get certain positions on these various committees you know you actually have some members of the Freedom Caucus there's a guy Griffin in Virginia who was opposed to McCarthy And then McCarthy agreed to one of his rule changes involving the germaneness rule, that if you're going to propose an amendment to a bill in the House, it has to be germane to the bill. 
with a 72-hour period and so forth and so on. And he was the one who proposed it, and he is the one who was satisfied with it and has been voting yes for McCarthy. How do I know that? Because he said so. But it's not, even though it's his proposal, apparently it's not good enough for Chip and some of the others. So it gets difficult to negotiate with situations like that. Maybe what they should have done and could have done is taken this by chunks. Okay, we got this this time around. Next time around, we'll get more. You know, something like that. But that's not the way it's working. And the gentleman who called from Montana sounded like a nice guy, but I don't, I believe in accuracy. Let me put it that way. You may have this thing in your head that suggests that, well, he's a lobbyist and Rosendale's not getting help from lobby, but Rosendale did get support from business packs. And they have to, or they're going to get killed. Doesn't mean you have to sell out to the business, and it doesn't mean you can't be, you know, choosy about which businesses you take money from, and I think that's a good idea. You should be. But labor's out there raising tons of money. Teachers' unions are out there raising tons of money. The left-wing corporations are out there raising tons of money. They're giving it all to the wrong people. So our guys need to raise money, too. And so if now you're going to attack the guy that raised over $300 million and spread it out among conservatives and other candidates, well, then, then you're, you're really, you're really uh, silly. Silly. Can't just have billionaires and millionaires running for office. Can't just let the Democrats get NEA money and AFL-CIO money and, and all the other money. We'll, we'll get slaughtered. We won't have any TV ads. And you won't have any citizen candidates because they have to get help to run for office. Doesn't mean they're bought and paid for. But here's somebody who is. And we've had Peter Schweitzer on the program, and it's obvious he is. By everything he does, and that's Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has sold the Republican Party in this country down the river. As I was of Boehner and Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan looked pretty good early on. He was the conservative alternative. You folks remember that. And then he, of course, blew it. By the way, who's the last Republican speaker that you liked? Well, first answer is there haven't been many. Second is you haven't liked any of them. And so the people who who are really dug in here, anything this speaker does wrong, they're going to blame on everybody. Oh, see that? I told you. I told you that if he becomes speaker, you don't need to tell us. We already know he's flawed. We already know he's imperfect. But we know that in order to run the Judiciary Committee and give Jim Jordan the opportunity to do what he needs to do, it needs to get on with it. That's what we know. In order to have oversight, we need to get on with it. It's not that we seek perfection. It's not we think that, uh, that Kevin McCarthy is, uh, is the greatest thing since sliced bread, although I think we're not supposed to like sliced bread anymore. The fact is he'd be a good enough speaker to allow these committees to function. Well, what else is there? There isn't anything else. And that's what was interesting about a letter put out by putative groups and conservatives who claim to represent millions and millions and millions of people, and they don't. 
And many of them are my dear friends. One of them is my mentor. Uh, And I read that letter. I read that letter uh, earlier today, several hours earlier than the last person who sent it to me. And I said to my, there's not a single thing in here about how we get this done. Nothing. And I think my my buddy, still my buddy, Mark Meadows, and some of his folks are kind of behind this entire movement. I can smell it. Maybe my buddy Jim DeMint. I don't know. Here's Mitch McConnell in Covington, Kentucky today with Joe Biden and a bunch of left-wing senators standing with him. And this is a publicity stunt. This is a press event where McConnell is assisting Joe Biden. Cut 18, go. So today we sit in this wonderful clear day with sun shining down on literally a legislative miracle. How did it come together? Well, Senator Portman, from whom you had a chance to hear, uh, was the active person on our side. Several Democratic senators on the other side came together and began to talk about how we might be able to work together uh, to get an outcome. We all know these are really partisan times, but I always feel no matter who gets elected, once it's all over, we ought to look for things we can agree on and try to do those, even while we have big differences on other things. And this bridge, I think, symbolizes the coming together of both sides on something that both sides thought was important to try to get an outcome. What is this phrase, to try and get an outcome? You know, I assume when Mitch McConnell goes to the bathroom, he gets an outcome, Mr. Producer. To get an outcome? That's what it's about, to get an outcome? What kind of talk is this? How stupid is this? And it's a legislative miracle that they ran this through over 4,000 pages, that the man who signed the bill never read it. That would be Joe Biden. He didn't have time to read it, and he can't read it anyway. It's too much. That Mitch McConnell never read it. That all the senators voting on it and for it never read it. That their staffs went through it. That their staffs wrote it. The handful of senators, Portman, Shelby. And it's a legislative miracle. First of all, it's not a legislative miracle. It's a fascistic cram down. That's not a legislative miracle. Your elected senators were not able to participate in the process. This is where the battle needs to go, right here in the Senate. This is why we lose the Senate. Because of a moron like this. Cut 19, go. So if you look at the political alignment of everyone involved in this, it's the government working together to solve a major problem at a time when the country needs to see examples like this of coming together and getting an outcome. And so I'm pleased to be here today to be a part of this. I encouraged it. 
I supported it. He's in your face now. He's in your face. Now, if you had to vote between McConnell and McCarthy today, if that was your choice, who would you vote for? McCarthy sounds nothing like this. Again, I'm not a special pleader for him. I'm just laying it out. McConnell hates the conservatives, hates the base, hates the Tea Party, hates MAGA. You don't get that from McCarthy. You don't get that from Scalise. You don't get it from Stefanik. You may not agree with them, but you don't get this. This is a guy that says, F you, and we're going to keep growing the government, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're not letting the other senators participate. The conservatives don't exist. You get no representation. Meanwhile, in the House, we've reached the point where 20 out of 222 are saying, I want to be on that committee. I insist on this. I insist on this. I insist on this. Or we're going to gut the system. And then they tell you that they're the conservatives. No, I don't think so. We don't, you see, this show's a little different. This isn't just a game of tug of war all the time. You got to understand who it is that's holding the ropes on both sides. Any idiot can get on TV or radio and do what most idiots do on TV and radio. They put a wet finger in the air. They try and figure out what what certain people want to hear. They talk to certain people off the air, and then they regurgitate the stuff. Then they're invited to the wonderful parties. and I don't want to be invited to anything. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. So what's the big rule that's left? Or the big change that's left? That hasn't been achieved, accomplished. What, what is it? What is it? There isn't any. Just a matter of, I guess, getting lawyers in the room to write something up. Fine. But has the damage already been done? You know, when I heard about these sort of three factions within the 20, those who have these changing demands and they get smaller, smaller, more and more in the weeds those who have principal changes that they've wanted and those who are exploiting this for personal power and animus. And then you have to hear people tell you that this is how a democracy works. This is how a republic works. So you're supposed to follow the reprobates among them because that's how democracy works. No, it isn't. First of all, we're not a democracy. Secondly, those 20, and if it's whittled down to 10 or 4 or whatever it is, 
they don't represent the vast majority of the people in this listening audience. They represent their own districts. That's representative government. That's how the republic works. We don't believe in minority control. We don't believe in majority control. We believe in representative government. So it's good that there's a fight. To a point. It's what a primary is all about. It's what a general election is all about. But if you take it to the point where you cannibalize your own, and again, I've never viewed this as conservative versus establishment, because I always had the sense, and I've, I've talked this out with you for three days now, that a number of these people among the 20 or the 19 or whatever the original number, five, they were not principled, they were not earnest, guys like Andy Biggs and others. Gates just went on the floor and he said he's nominated Donald Trump, which is ridiculous, but he's nominated Donald Trump, who he attacked yesterday. And he said, and one of the things that he really wants to get done, regardless who the speaker is, is more criminal justice reform. We did the first step, we need a second, we need a third, we need a fourth. Criminal justice reform. How about law and order, Mr. Gates? So, Mr. Gates and I don't see eye to eye on everything. I think we did criminal justice reform. I was never a big fan of letting criminals out of prison. And I'm not a big fan of going any further. It should be the opposite. Which is, more criminals go to prison. I don't know why we have to sound like liberals and act like liberals. So that's one of the great conservatives who just said that on the floor of the House. Count me out. I don't agree. Certainly not a priority of mine. It's a priority of yours. Here's David Axelrod on CNN today, and he's very happy. He's very excited. Why? Cut eight, go. He's surrendered. I mean, the the truth of the matter is whether the 21 who accept it or not, they've won. McCarthy. They've won. Either either McCarthy becomes a neutered, powerless speaker who has a sword of Damocles uh, over his head uh, that could fall at any time because anybody in that body could call to vacate the chair or someone else Donald. becomes speaker. But he, he, they have the won party. this. I mean, the only thing that's left is for, you know, one of them McCarthy. to drive out with McCarthy's Donald. car and another one to wear his coat. Is that true? Is that true? There may be some truth to this. There may be some truth to that which is what I said on day one, depending on how long this goes on and what they're duking it out over and all the rest, they could actually be weakening a Republican speaker, whomever their speaker is. That rule change where one member can call to vacate the chair, that is, to get rid of the speaker. Think that's a good rule? I know it was used against Boehner, 
But Boehner was going to leave anyway, as it turns out. We later learned. But still. You look at Pelosi, and many of you have called their show and have said to me, why don't we have leaders like this? We have nothing but hate and contempt for that woman and what she's done to this country and what she's done to President Trump and on and on. But I'll give her this. She knows how to lead. Well, she never had the sword of Damocles hanging over her head. Ever. She was an incredibly powerful speaker. So to some extent, you've got to be careful what you wish for. I hear some of these guys on the floor of the house. I've been watching all day, like some of you, while trying to get other work done. This guy, Bob Good, from Virginia. I have no idea what Bob Good has ever done. From Lynchburg, Charlottesville, Danville, Virginia, 5th District. Won by the skin of his teeth. Skin of his teeth. Okay, fine. Took enormous sums of money from Kevin McCarthy's pack. Well, why doesn't he return that money? And if he took money from Kevin McCarthy's pack, you really want to be a purist? Why doesn't he resign? Because he took money from Kevin McCarthy's pack to persuade voters to vote for him, and then he opposes Kevin McCarthy. I mean, then don't take money from the guy's pack. You don't take money from abortion groups and all the rest of it. If you know that you're not going to support him, then why would you take money from his pack? And you should see what some of the idiots commented about that online. Should take more. Lauren Boebert was asked time and again, time and again by Sean Hannity last night. Well, who's your candidate? They have more candidates. I mean, I think we're going to be here the rest of my life. There are 330 million Americans, Mr. Producer. Any one of them can serve as a speaker. You're aware of that, right? No, no, not me. But you get the point. You get the point. And you know what tomorrow is, ladies and gentlemen? I forgot all about it, but Chuck Todd reminds us it's January 6th. Chuck Todd's got the whole setup for this. That MAGA did all that damage on January 6th. A few years back. And now look all the damage they're doing today. What an idiot. What a complete buffoon and fool. No wonder he gets no ratings, and he ought to be thrown off MSNBC or wherever the hell he is. Calls this a similar battle. Similar battle. So they have January 6th circled on their calendar, of course. And you're going to hear this crap all day tomorrow, trust me. That's the way they work. One of the things that's very cringeworthy is what are they on their 10th vote or something like that? All these standing ovations, people standing around, Hakeem Jeffries, and he sits there like an emperor. Smiling, shaking hands, the things they say about him. 
One of the earlier people nominating him spoke about his family. Wonderful family, except they left out one of his family members, Mr. Producer. The former professor, remember? Professor Jeffries. The racist anti-Semite. Who was so bad, he was even removed from an Ivy League school. Boy, the good old days. Today, they'd, you know, promote him to president of the university. But that said, they didn't mention that. Even though Hakeem has said of his uncle, and I've told you this many times, that he's very close to his uncle while he doesn't always agree with his theories. You know, his theories of anti-Semitism. So either you're an anti-Semite or you're not. It's not a theory. And they're applauding him and appraising him and are watching some of the secular Jews who are Democrats there, quite frankly, from my tribe, applauding him, standing, yelling, Hakeem Jeffries! Yeah, we want Hakeem Jeffries! Amazing. Hakeem Jeffries. And what's so great about Hakeem Jeffries? Nothing. He's a radical. That's Hakeem Jeffries. And by the way, you know what happened in the Ohio Assembly the other day? These all are the common pattern. What happened in the Ohio Assembly the other day? Anybody know? You know, Mr. Producer? Well, there's a liberal Republican. The Republicans control the Ohio Assembly. And there was a gentleman who was supposed to be speaker. But he wasn't liked by everybody. He was quite conservative, actually. But he wasn't liked by everybody. So what happened? Well, the liberals and the so-called moderate Republicans, the rhinos, joined with the Democrats and elected the liberal Republican to be the speaker. Out of the blue, out of left field. But that can't happen. But it did happen. It did happen. In Ohio. With a conservative Republican legislature. You never know. And then finally, one of the other things I noticed, finally for this segment anyway, is a number of these people of the 20, not all but some, really have enjoyed their FaceTime on TV. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producers? They all huddle together. As they huddle together, 20 of them. 20. And Andy Biggs is walking around. He seems very down. Seems very down. He's commiserating with Gates. Lauren Boebert's listening in. The cameras are on them, Mr. Beducer. The three wise men, or the two wise men and the wise woman, I guess. And yet you have many, many conservatives on the floor of the House that get no face time. They get no support, whatever. Mark Levin.
We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Joe Biden has done everything he can, as the Democrats and the media have, to exploit January 6th with the help of the Department of Injustice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a.k.a. the American Stasi. They lie about the number of people who were killed that day. A protester was killed that day. An Air Force veteran. But they're counting people who had strokes or heart attacks sometime after January 6th. That would be like counting people who had strokes and heart attacks and passed away all through the summer of 2020. Through the BLM riots. How many people died there? And let's include all the people who died from strokes and heart attacks. No, 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 you don't understand. And since when do you count the people who died from strokes and heart attacks after left-wing riots? It's sick. But it's all exploitation. That's exactly what it is. And they want you to believe this is the greatest threat to, to our country since the Civil War. Not the attack on Pearl Harbor. Not the attack on 9-11. No, no, no. This is the greatest threat since, since the Civil War to the Republic. Even though not a single shot was fired by the protesters. Not one. Now, as you well know, it's well documented here, I have no tolerance for violent protesters. I have no tolerance for attacking cops. But Biden does. The Democrat Party does. The media do. And we saw that. But I want to remind you, as they talk about this today endlessly, that there have been other attacks on the Capitol building and what the Democrats did about it. Our friends at American Spectator wrote about this not too long ago. And I've talked about it before. In 1978, Jimmy Carter commuted the sentence of Andreas Figueroa Cordes, a Puerto Rican communist, who participated in a shoot-up of the well of the House of Representatives from the visitor's galley. He did it, he said, on humanitarian grounds, given that the man's terminal cancer diagnosis. The next year, Carter took the unpardonable step of pardoning Cordes's three comrades in that 1954 action that wounded five congressmen. They shot five congressmen from the gallery. And Carter, Carter pardoned the three that were still alive and commuted the sentence of the ringleader. That's how much they care about protecting the Capitol building. On the last day of his presidency, Bill Clinton granted a full pardon to Susan Rosenberg. Who is she? 16 years into a 58-year sentence for possession of guns and over 700 pounds of explosives. Did that happen on January 6th? A member of the Weather Underground and numerous of its succeeding splinter groups, Rosenberg allegedly participated in the 1983 bombing of the U.S. Capitol as a member of something calling itself the Armed Resistance Unit. The explosion blew off Senate Minority Leader Robert Byrd's door, ripped through a painting of Daniel Webster, and damaged the Senate cloakroom. 
The bombers contended we purposely aimed our attack at the institutions of imperialist rule rather than at individual members of the ruling class. We did not choose to kill any of them this time, but their lives are not sacred. Hmm. Rosenberg would go on to be an uh, advisor, if you will, to Black Lives Matter. Rosenberg allegedly drove a getaway in 1981 Brinks truck robbery in Rockland County, New York, that resulted in the murders of two cops and a Brinks guard. Prosecutors didn't pursue the charges on the Capitol bombing or the murders in connection to the expropriation of over $1 million because it seemed superfluous in light of her lengthy 58-year sentence. They didn't count on a future president nullifying the sentence. That was Clinton, Democrat. And after the pardon, Rosenberg landed a job teaching women's studies at Hunter College. And later, when she raised money for Black Lives Matter, critics called her a domestic terrorist. But fact-checkers rebutted the label. Quote, the absence of a single universally agreed definition of terrorism, Snopes.com maintained, it's a matter of subjective determination as to whether the actions of which Rosenberg was convicted and imprisoned, possession of weapons and hundreds of pounds of explosives, should be described as acts of domestic terrorism. Got that? That's two Democrat administrations in a row, but I'm not done. A year after Bill Clinton's buddy, Bill Ayer's girlfriend, and two of his friends blew themselves up in a Greenwich Village townhouse, which they turned into a bomb factory, the University of Michigan radical took part in the 1971 bombing of the U.S. Capitol. We'd already bombed the Capitol, he wrote in his memoir, and we cased the White House. The Pentagon was like two of the trifecta. Ayers nevertheless resisted the T-word label, quote, Terrorists destroy randomly, while our actions bore, we hoped, the precise stamp of a cut diamond. Terrorists intimidate, while we aimed only to educate. Bill Ayers. And after Ayers did all this, he became a buddy of Barack Melhouse Benito Obama's. Hmm. Bill Ayers helped launch Obama's political career by hosting a 1995 fundraiser for Obama's state Senate candidacy in the home he shared with fellow former terrorist Bernadine Dorn. Michelle Obama scheduled Ayers to speak at a conference she organized, and Obama occasionally found himself speaking at the same events as Ayers. Quote, a searing and timely account of the juvenile court system and the courageous individuals who rescue hope from despair, praised Obama of Ayers' 1997 book, a kind and just parent, children of juvenile court in the Chicago Tribune. The future president and past terrorists served together on the Woods Fund Charitable found, uh, Board, and when Obama found himself on the board of the Chicago Annenberg Challenge, the outfit donated large sums to pr projects affiliated with his friend. Ayers donated money to the 2001 Obama political campaign, but his greatest contribution came of the in-kind variety when he played down his association during Obama's 2008 presidential run and became harder to find than he was during his time with the Weather Underground. Yes. It's just unbelievable. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Three prior presidents. But the guy who was sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair, they threw the book at him. The guy wearing the horns on his head and the fur on his body, they threw the book at him. 
people parading and trespassing who did not commit act of violence, they've thrown the book at them. And they're hunting down hundreds more, we learned today. 950 and hundreds more. People who attended that, that rally and did absolutely nothing. They're shivering. They're shaking. They want January 6th to the Democrats and the media to be a scarlet letter. So if you attended that event, one of hundreds of thousands, and you weren't even anywhere near the Capitol building, or maybe you were across the street from the Capitol building, and if they find out on your social media that you attended, you may get a knock on the door, but even more than that, how are you going to get a job or hold a job? And yet here we have people like this, former presidents, when they were president. Look how they behaved with people who attacked the Capitol building, among other places, including the Pentagon. Whatever happened to all the people who attacked the White House when Donald Trump was there and had to be taken to a nuclear bomb shelter under the White House? How many of those people have been arrested? How many of those people have been prosecuted? How many SWAT teams have shown up at their front door? And do we know the exact day that that occurred? Because I don't find that on my calendar. I didn't see Joe Biden talking about that event as a great attack or insurrection on the government of this country. When you have to take a president to a nuclear bomb shelter, when over 50 Secret Service agents are wounded, not to mention the Metropolitan Police from Washington, not to mention the Park Police? How many? What day? How come that wasn't an insurrection? January 6th wasn't an insurrection either. The one question, the one question that no committee of Congress under the Democrats want to ask, that no Democrat media type wants to ask, that no grand jury will be told. How could Donald Trump have left, led an insurrection when his offer for 20,000 National Guardsmen with at least four witnesses in the Oval Office heard him make the offer with the, the transcription of the Inspector General of the Department of Defense stating so. When it was turned down, including in writing, by the mayor's office in Washington, D.C., and by the individual reporting to Nancy Pelosi, who has since written a book, his name is Sund, and said she was concerned about the optics. How in the hell... Can you accuse a president of like that of leading an insurrection, which is a bald-faced lie on its face and an impossible as a matter of law, but still, when he was the one who led the requests and the effort to put armed American army soldiers around the Capitol building, 20,000. He would tell people to attack the building when he offers to protect the building? This is the great question. This is the great issue. And this is the great lie. And that's why today you haven't heard a word about it. 
And if it was an insurrection, why weren't hundreds of thousands of people armed? Why wasn't the Capitol building burned down? Why wasn't there something more than than a couple of groups of militia types or people dressed up like militia types? Why wasn't there something more? They keep talking about threats that were made. Not a single member of Congress was harmed. I'm not defending this. I'm explaining the difference between a violent attack on a building and a violent attack to overthrow the government. But why isn't the Washington Post, why isn't the New York Times, why aren't the media concerned about the attack on the White House? And why didn't they call that an insurrection? We all know why, don't we? Here's Joe Biden. Cut one. Go. On January the 6th, our democracy was attacked. There's no other way of saying it. Okay, I'll say it. No, it wasn't. You attacked our democracy, sir, when you threw in with the racists and segregationists and tried to block little black kids from going to school with little white kids. You did that. The Democrat Party did that. Twice, when FDR was president, when he refused to support a bill to outlaw a lynching in the states, in the Democrat state, he did that. <laughs> 